Abigail. 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 David. David sent. David sent his 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 men from the wilderness to to come and bless your husband Nabal, my 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 master, and and he just scorned them. He just scorned them. He he. He was so good to us, David. He, he, he protected us when we were taking care of our sheep in the wilderness. And, and, and he, just, he just came to ask for some provisions. And, and Nabal, he was, he was so rude. David is mad. David, he's livid. He, he, I think he's going to try and kill us. Well, well Abigail, she, she sprung into action. And she um, knew that this soon-coming king... When, when, when he sets out to do something, he's going to do it. And so she got together the provisions that he was asking for, the food to serve his, his 600 soldiers. And, and then she set out to try and calm him down, try and see if just maybe, maybe she can avert a disaster of him coming and annihilating her, her husband, and all of their family and their servants. Is this... Is this story ringing a bell with you? The story of Abigail and Nabal? Maybe not. It is a story, a historical account of something that actually happened, and it is in the Old Testament. And as we continue our series entitled Power Couples, we are going to look at a couple that is pretty obscure. In the Bible, a couple that maybe you haven't heard of, but we're not just going to look at the couple. We we are going to dig in to understand the difference between Abigail, well, and David versus Nabal, Abigail's husband, because I think that this story in the Old Testament just might be a, a clear, the clearest contrast. Between what, is it, what does it mean to be the wise and what does it mean to be a fool? So this morning, if I were to ask you, well, do you want to be wise or do you want to be a fool? Now, no, no doubt all of us would say, well, I want to be wise. Of course I want to be wise. And as a matter of fact, for most of us, when we think about ourselves, we would think, well, I do have a bit of wisdom, or at least I, I think I function pretty well on the wise spectrum. However, the Bible says the word or mentions the fool or the foolish in over 200 verses, and typically it's speaking to people who think that they're not fools. People who actually think they're somewhat wise and yet they lack wisdom. And so this morning, I would like for us to look at this power couple in the Bible and ask ourselves, each of us, the question, are we wise or are we fools? <laughs> so uh, if you have your Bibles handy, you'll have to find 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel is toward the beginning of your Bible. Uh, it goes Judges, then this little tiny book of Ruth, which we looked at last week, and now we're into 1 Samuel. So it's 1 Samuel chapter 25. If you don't have Bibles, that's fine. 
We'll have the scriptures up here on the screen. And you'll see in 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 2, we read these words. Now, there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it came about while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. By the way, that, that's the time when he was making his money. He's shearing the sheep. He's ready to sell the wool. And this is, uh, this is a good time for, for a sheep herder of this magnitude because he's going to get rich. Even richer, shall I say. Jump down to verse 4. So here he is shearing the sheep in Carmel. That David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. In other words, he knew that Nabal was, was nearby getting this done. Now, who's Nabal? Well, verse 3 actually is sort of this little input into this text, and it describes for us Nabal and Abigail. I love this. Now look at verse 3. Now the man's name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. And the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance. But the man, Nabal, was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a Calebite. Can you believe it? The guy's a Calebite. What does that mean that he's a Calebite? Well, that means that he is a descendant of Caleb. You might remember back with Moses, there were 12 spies that were sent into the land to see if they could conquer it. And of the 12, only two came back, Caleb and Joshua, who said, yeah, let's go take it. We can do this. And so he was a descendant of Caleb, and that does play into the future of the Old Testament. However, I wonder if the author of 1 Samuel actually was thinking about the fact that the name Caleb, and no offense to any of you who have children and you name them Caleb, but Caleb means the dog. I wonder if the author of 1 Samuel was thinking, yeah, that, that's a good description of Nabal. <laughs> it's like a dog, you know, that you want to trust and you come up and then it bites you in the hand. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of character that Nabal had. But David, David was pretty much the opposite of Nabal. He practiced wisdom. And so the first thing we're going to see this morning from David is that the wise promote peace. The wise promote peace. In verse 5, we go on. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, visit Nabal, and greet him in my name, because he'll know who I am. I mean, everybody does. And, uh, and thus you shall say, Have a long life. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I mean, listen, I mean, you see that? Three different times in that one verse. Peace, peace, peace. David didn't just speak about peace. He produced peace. He promoted peace in his life. I mean, just like that servant that went to Abigail to tell him, hey, David was so good to us. He, he promoted peace. He helped protect us. He, did never, he never insulted us. He, he was a guy who really promoted peace in his life. Nabal. Who, who would ever name their kid Nabal? No offense to any of you who maybe named your son Nabal. I can picture the parents. Little, little baby, you know. Oh, he's so cute. Why do we name him Nabal? 
and have a little chit-chat about it because the origins of the name Nabal is noble or skilled. However, in the Hebrew language, maybe they were blind to this in the moment, but in the Hebrew language, Nabal means fool. Let's name him fool. How about that? No, I, probably they were thinking that noble, skilled thing from the origins of the word, but Na David was a promoter of peace, but Nabal responded by his namesake. Nabal responded like a fool because fools stir up strife. Fools stir up strife. We're, we're the wise promote peace, fools stir up strife. David was just asking for food. He was just asking for provisions. And, and, uh, and Nabal literally acted like, he acted like a jerk, honestly. Look at verse 9. When David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in David's name, and then they waited. Yeah, I, I picture Nabal, or Nabal, <laughs> Nabal. <laughs> I picture Nabal, you know, uh, I'll give them my answer in my sweet time. Like, I could care less about their schedule. I'm just going to do it on my schedule. And that's not even the worst of it, because now he starts to stir the pot. Now he starts to cause a bit of chaos. Notice verse 10. But Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David, and, and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are, who are each breaking away from his master. By the way, hinting that he probably knew about David and his 600 men, and that, hey, maybe these guys that are here are some of those slaves that actually left their masters to go and be with David. Verse 11, shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have uh, slaughtered for my shearers and give it to the men whose origin I do not know? <laughs> Fools, by the way, they... they they tend to help those who will help them. You know, I'm saving my food for my shears because my shears make money for me. So that's what I'm doing. And I don't even know who you are. Oh, yeah, everyone knew who David was. In Moen, in Carmel, and that surrounding everybody, everybody knew who he was. Nabal, he was clashing, and he didn't really care. There are some people who who just seem to invite chaos into their lives. There's some people who, that's just the way they function. They stir the pot. In a sense, they love a good fight. And they think they're somewhat superior, too. You know, like, they're, they're the, th this all happens, but I'm like, you know, I'm the one in control here. They're fools, actually. If we were to tip the scales in our lives, do they tip more toward tranquility? or more toward chaos? If we were to, to measure it out, is there more calm or more stress? And then we need to ask, well, who's, who's the culprit here? Am I a promoter of peace? Or am I a promoter of stirring the pot, stirring up strife? Am I a fool or am I wise? Next, the wise, they are trustworthy. Now here's where those, that servant came to talk to Abigail about Nabal, um, to tell her 
about all this problem, and uh, he knew somehow that David was really, really mad. Let's read about it. Verse 14, jump down to verse 14, but, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we were not insulted, nor did we miss anything as long as we went about with them while we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day. All the time we were with them, tending the sheep. They, they protected us. David gained admiration. He gained this reputation that he was trustworthy, that his behavior was consistent with righteousness. I mean, he protected us, you know. He, he didn't insult us. So he, he, we trusted him. Every one of us has a reputation, by the way. Are we trustworthy? So when we, when we say we're going to do something, do we do it? Are we people of our word? Are we consistent in how we treat people? You know? Do we practice integrity? No matter what setting we're in, we're the same person. When we talk with one group of friends, is it the same as when we're talking to another group of friends? Or do we try to avoid gossip and slander? Yeah, trustworthiness. Trustworthiness is built over time. And sadly, it can be dashed in an instant. You know, all of a sudden you blow up. You know, you get really mad. And I'll say, whoa, where'd that come from? Or you lie. And you're found out about that lie. Or we, we backstab, you know? Wise people, wise people are honest. Wise people are sincere. Wise people are trustworthy. But fools, on the other hand, they're toxic. Let's look at the view of this servant toward his master Nabal, verse 17. Now therefore, he's talking to Abigail, know and consider what you should do, for evil is plotted against our master and against all his household. And he is such a worthless man, and no one can speak to him. There's some honesty coming from his heart. Because he's so worthless, he's got us into this mess. And you can't even talk to him. He's not even going to listen. You ever deal with anybody like a Nabal? You know, maybe they're not so much in your face with their toxic behavior, but they're stubborn. They don't listen. They think they're the ones with the truth, and they don't heed correction. It's that boss that won't listen. Or that spouse who thinks she's right. It's the parent who is stubborn. Or the child who just wants a fight. Let's take a look in the mirror. Let's be honest about our plight. Am I trustworthy? Or am I toxic? As he shines on me his light. Are we a fool? Or are we wise? 
So Abigail, she loads up the donkeys, you know. She, she just piles on the stuff. And she sends her servants ahead of her with the stuff. And, you know, maybe they can intercept David and just begin to try and calm him down. And as she's going on after them, she, uh, she ran into David. Well, we'll see by the story. Actually, this was a God moment where they met. And immediately, David tells her why he's so angry. And then Abigail does the wise thing. Abigail brings God into the conversation. Because the wise have God. The wise turn to God. The wise know that it is God who they will have to answer to. Jump down to verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the blame. Now this is not the blame for what Nabal did. This is the blame for coming to you and trying to intercept you and trying to, trying to change what you want to do. If you are mad at anybody, nobody sent me. I did this on my own power and on my own volition. And please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. He's a fool. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives... And as your, your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal. In other words, let them come under the judgment of God. Not under your judgment, under His judgment. God said it Himself, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Now let this gift which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant that I happen to come here and make this plea to you. Please forgive me, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil will not be found in you all your days. Should anyone rise up to pursue you and seek your life, then... The life of my Lord shall be bound in the, in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies will, be, will sling out as from a hollow of a sling. In other words, you'll be living, they'll be gone, they'll be dead. God will cast them aside. like that imagery there. Verse 30, And when the Lord does for my Lord according to all the good that He has spoken concerning you and appoints you ruler over Israel... This will not cause grief. This, this whole idea that you want to go kill Nabal and everybody, once you become the king, listen, this will not cause you grief or trouble, your heart, uh, trouble the heart to my Lord. But by having shed, uh, both by having shed blood without cause or by my Lord having avenged himself, when the Lord deals with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Boy, look at how much he brings in the Lord on this, huh? The Lord, the Lord, it's kind of hard to you know, distinguish between the Lord and calling Him Lord, but you get the point, you know, it just keeps Him bringing in God, bringing in the Lord. I mean, let's face it, Proverbs 9.10 is true, it's right. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I might add, it's the middle and the end of wisdom also. You cannot have wisdom 
without having God in the picture. I might say, well, wait, I know a lot of people who really, or at least they're, they're, they've got to be out there, you know, who, who don't really turn to God, they don't really look at God, but they seem to handle life pretty well. The fact of the matter is, God is the source of life. God is the very source of love. God is the source of wisdom. And if we lack wisdom, we're not supposed to try and drum it up on our own. We're supposed to ask Him to give it to us. That's in James, by the way. Yes. Wisdom comes from God. And I agree with the psalmist in Psalm 14.1 and in Psalm 53.1 that fools are the ones who say there is no God. Fools. They lack God. The wise have God. The fools lack God. Did you see... I'm. Did you pick up on Abigail's comments about her husband? Let's go back there to verse 25. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal, for as his name is, so he is. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. She called him a worthless man. By the way, in the original language, um, if you just read the Hebrew, it's, he is the son of Belial. Son of Belial. And back when the servant came running in to tell Abigail about his master, he used the same exact phrase, the son of Belial. Well, Belial, back then, was known as an evil cosmic being that opposed God. And by the time we get to the Dead Sea Scroll era, this group called the Qumran community, which were around long before Jesus was even on this earth, they understood that the son of Belial meant the son of Satan. So what Abigail was saying is, listen, this man that I'm married to, I realize he is an evil man. And I know that he's my husband, but he doesn't fear God. He is governed by his own folly. He is like an instrument in the hands of Satan. Woo! Guys, I hope your wives don't have that opinion of you. <laughs> I know they don't, actually. They can't, right? No, well, I'm not going there. That's a... <laughs> Nabal lacked God. Could care less about God. Before we go too quickly to kind of brush this one off, oh yeah, yeah, that's not me. Yeah, let's ask ourselves these questions. How often do I include God in my life? How often do I include Him in my thoughts, in my actions, my attitudes? So like, when you're grumpy, when I'm grumpy, do we kind of turn to God and say, okay, Lord, uh, I'm laying this grumpiness before you, help me. When we lack faith, do we ask Him to give us the strength we need? When we need that wisdom, do we ask for wisdom? Yeah, when we're tempted, do we call out to Him to save us from the temptation? How much do we allow God to be in our lives? How consistent are we at bringing Him into the picture? Are we fools or are we wise? 
Well, finally, this may be overstating the obvious, but uh, the wise are prudent. In other words, they have good judgment. The The wise are prudent. Over in verse 32, Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your discernment. Blessed be your prudence. Blessed be your good judgment. And blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you, unless you had come quickly to meet me, surely there would not have been left to Nabal until the morning light as much as one male. I would have wiped them all out. Blessed be you, Abigail, because you're prudent. You have good judgment. You are wise, Abigail. And I might add on David's account, he is wise to heed her wise counsel. He was prudent because he had good judgment to not just blow her off, but to actually receive what she had to say and not be driven by his emotions. Boy, in the moment, it was like, I am going to give him what he deserves. I mean, I am going to give him what he deserves. How dare he treat me that way? That is not right. But God stopped him through the wisdom of Abigail. I was studying this, it, it, it reminded me of one of my life's lessons. You ever have those moments in life where it's like, okay, I get it. I, 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 this, this has to change in me. I, I get it. Happened in 2008. Um, our denomination, we're part of the Evangelical Free Church of America. In 2008, the summer of 2008, uh, they, they changed the doctrinal statement. Now, I really like the new doctrinal statement. Um, But there were some things in it that uh, we felt as a church just weren't quite right. And so we brought two amendments to the national conference where you're standing before all all of the churches in our denomination and the leadership of our denomination is up on the stage. And uh, we were to prepare our defense for why we wanted these amendments. And I was responsible for one of the amendments. And I worked hard at trying to figure out how do I want to convince all of these people here, you know, like, I don't know how many people were in the auditorium, but there were all of our churches in our denomination. How do I convince them in one setting that we need to make a change on one part of this doctrinal statement? And so the way I wanted to go at it was I, I decided I would make the point that documents matter, that really documents have have altered the course of history. I mean, the documents of the, I I use positive illustrations of that, and I thought I'd use a negative illustration of that. And so my positive illustration was the, the, the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, that that is the document on which we stand as, as Americans. On the negative side, I had that Adolf Hitler came to power and Nazism came to power during World War II and the document that he based it on was this document called Mein Kampf. And so I was going to give it to him, you know? All right, you don't have this quite right denomination. We're going to give it to you. We're going to show you how we need to make this amendment. And I was like, I got it, man. I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him, you know about Adolf Hitler, don't you? Mein Kampf, it's a document. This is important. We have to make sure we get it right. And so it's about my time to get up. And Terry Bush, 
is behind me, and he just taps me on the shoulder, and he says, just drop the Mein Kampf. Don't do the Mein Kampf. And Jill, my wife, is sitting next to me. She goes, yeah. Taps me on the leg. Don't, don't do the Mein Kampf. Just, just skip that. But man, I had my guns loaded. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm going to give it to him. So I, 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 I get up there, and I get to the microphone, and and uh, my guy that I'm debating with, you know, PhD and whatever he's got, and I, I just stand up there and I, and I give him my spiel and I say, you know, and, and, and documents matter and, you know, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, it's what we're founded on. And by the way, in a negative way, if we don't get this right, you remember World War II, you remember Adolf Hitler, you remember that that was based on Mein Kampf. And it was like the air was sucked out of the room. This huge gasp. And then my debater guy breaks the tension by laughing. I'm telling you, I went, I just, hmm. I got like three inches shorter in the moment. I lost. I lost their ear. I, lo I lost the point. People were stuck on that negative thing, like I'm somehow accusing our denomination of becoming Nazis. It wasn't my point, but that's the feeling I got. Yeah, I, I lacked prudence. <laughs> I lacked listening or heeding wise counsel. I'll tell you, from then on, if you just tell me the littlest thing, I'm like, all ears. <laughs> On the other hand, fools... Fools are indulgent. They indulge. They indulge their emotions. They indulge or pursue whatever makes them feel good, you know? They indulge to feed their appetites. They're indulgent. Look at Nabal in verse 36. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. He couldn't offer just a little bit of food to these 600 soldiers. No, he's got to stuff his own little belly with this feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she did not tell him in her prudence. She did not tell him anything at all until the morning light. That's all about himself, you know. What do I get out of this baby, you know? Whatever makes me feel good. No restraint. You know, often I sense this attitude in many, honestly. I'm going to do what I want to do and nobody's going to stop me. That's the attitude of a fool. <laughs> Look what happens to Nabal. Verse 37. But in the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things. And his heart died within him, so that he became as a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. It's like he had a stroke, or an aneurysm, or a heart attack, and it seemed as if he went into some sort of a coma for ten days until God took the breath of life out of him. He's done. James 4.6 says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God showed grace to Abigail. After the death of her husband Nabal, 
David married this beautiful, intelligent widow, this woman who was full of wisdom named Abigail. So here's how it all boils down for us. This whole idea of being wise or being a fool is really a continuum for you and I. That, that it's, it, the key is to keep growing in the direction of wisdom. Wisdom is not a place that we arrive at. Wisdom is the horizon that we keep striving toward, and as we keep going toward it, this foolishness about us tends to get further and further away from us in our rearview mirror. So this power couple shows us, along with David in the picture, God wants us to continue to grow in wisdom and to move away from being fools. So I might suggest to all of us just a couple of things. First of all, in the back of your bulletin, you see those two charts. And I, I would just suggest to us to lay our hearts before the Lord with those two sides and ask ourselves, where am I at, Lord, with my wisdom versus my foolishness? And, and pursue, Lord, how do I grow in these over here on the wisdom side? How do I, how do I grow in that? Help me to grow become more wise. The other thing I, I would suggest to you is, um, I don't know if you're in a home discipleship group. We call them HDGs. Um, honestly, when I went through this, I had like way more than I could say in the amount of time that I have. And uh, so what do I do? I just throw it all on the sermon discussion questions. <laughs> but, you know, growing in wisdom isn't something we do in isolation. Growing in wisdom is something we do together. It's something we do together. And if you're just kind of on your own in your Christian walk, I want to encourage you to really seriously consider, get involved in what we call home discipleship groups. They're traditionally known as small groups. That, that you get together and you work this stuff out. And, and if you're in a group, maybe you want to talk about this topic that Nabal and Abigail highlight for us. Grab, out at the welcome desk, there's some sermon discussion questions that you can work through uh, in your groups. You can work through them on your own too, but again, we need, we need one another. And, uh, and just make, make your way out there and, and uh, grab one of those, or, and if they're out, if they run out of them, then we'll grab some more. But talk about these things with other people. It's, it's important to not just kind of let this sort of fall on deaf ears or just fall on our ears and kind of be gone in, in a short order. So it's important to keep growing in wisdom and to keep growing away from foolishness.